out. How's everybody doing? We'll go ahead and cut that video and uh, just want to welcome you guys this morning. Is everybody awake after the fair? Y'all look rougher than I do. It's all right. I want you to stand your feet this morning. If uh, you are watching us online, we just want to welcome you and uh, say welcome to the bridge. Um, you are part of our family, so thank you for watching. Thank you for sharing. And uh, it's just good to see everybody. So this morning, just worship with us.
someone as you are seated today just let them know that you are so glad that they're here let them know you're glad to see them today amen who's doing announcements today oh there you are i wondered where you were i was like well i don't know what they are so you don't want me doing them well dieter Okay, we'll just use the microphone. You need that one right there. Just stand up there. Be the front and center. It switches on the bottom. Good morning. Okay. <laughs> so, here I am giving announcements because, well, Elizabeth is back there with babies, and I have five babies, so I'd much rather be up here giving announcements. So, 
get a little break. Um, Leslie has her kayaking connection group going on this week. Um, watch her Facebook for details on times and locations. Next Sunday is our annual church camping trip at Carter Caves. That means woo, no church in Vanceburg next Sunday. The service will be at 10 a.m. at the campground. See Leslie for any details. Youth group tonight, 6 to 8 for 7th through 12th graders. Um, and I think that's about it. That was as simple as it gets. Anybody else? Do you have anything else? No? Good. All right. Who wants to do offering? Anybody? Somebody? Look at him. You're going to volunteer, aren't you? Okay. You moved, so it's you. care to bless the offering. been a long, uh, long week with the fair and everything else going on. It's been a pretty hectic week because everybody enjoyed the Toastboro Fair. How many went to the Toastboro Fair? Uh, a few didn't. A lot did. So hopefully you enjoyed your time there. It was an uh, opportunity to get out amongst uh, the people of Lewis County and uh, Enjoy fun, food, and fellowship. Um, also, we had our uh, a group from church there the day that had went to. Uh, I've always wanted to do that on the boat and the Bell, Cincinnati, and uh, we took that trip and it was a lot of fun as well. Their Friday night, um, spending time on the water and. Uh, just enjoying our time out there, too. A lot of us that went on that, uh, I think everybody had a good time. Uh, Pap and Rhea seemed to have a real good time. Pap was, uh, enjoyed talking and, and fellowshipping and getting to meet everybody, talk to everybody, and uh, it was a great time, too. Um, next weekend, how many's looking forward to camping trip? Amen. Going to get a break for a minute, and it's going to be fun next weekend. Uh, some people's going over Thursday, uh, went ahead and got early campsites, uh, but we will be over there Friday, 
uh, Saturday and then having our church service there Sunday morning. Uh, it's always a great time. Hopefully the weather cooperates with us. Uh, we've done it in other, every kind of weather there's been so far. We've been doing it several years. Um, we've seen monsoons on the night when we tried to set up. And you remember that one? <laughs> Amy and Earl must remember that one standing underneath the... Uh, we had a great big tarp set up and, and spanned out between trees. And it was the only protection we had because it started raining like a downpour. And we just had to stay out in it. And that was fun. I remember a few years ago we had one when it was... Uh, temperature was knocking on 100 and just sweating and it was one of those years where we were tent camping and it, I was about to burn down and I ended up just sitting in the Tahoe and leaving the air conditioner on and that was a lot of fun in the heat and we've seen good weather and bad weather and all in between but it's always fun it's always a good time for your kids so even if you're not camping we encourage you to come over and spend time through the day uh, just people doing all different kinds of things and uh, just enjoying each other and fellowship and, and we invite you to our campsite if you have, don't have any other friends you can make friends with Leslie I guess and come to our campsite we would love to see you come over and just to fellowship uh, I will be enjoying your food so if you're cooking make sure and holler real loud and I'll come over and test it for you and uh, make sure everything's good I don't desire any food poisoning though so make sure and cook it well uh, that would be good um, this is uh, the last installment of our sermon series, uh, Bridge of Hope. And hopefully you've gained some knowledge or information or inspiration from this sermon series. And hopefully it's causing uh, hope to come alive within your spirit and within your soul. And that we learn how to walk on this bridge of hope called life that we're in. Because a bridge is always meant to mean a method or a means to reach a new location and we all have a destiny that God has set before us and he provides us with bridge to get to where we need to go and we hope and pray that our church named the bridge uh, leads you along the pathway that God desires for your life and it brings you to a place uh, that God intends for you to be and hopefully and prayerfully as we encourage and spur each other along in this place we all understand that we're not on the same path and we're not all in the same place at the same time and sometimes one is up and another is down and we need to be a church that encourages, that strengthens, that wraps our arms around each other and lets each other know that God is with us. Amen? Amen. You can be the bridge of hope if uh, you stretch out and believe that God is desiring to use you in your neighbor's um, life because I really believe that he is desiring that. So today, is, as I said, is the last um, portion of this. We're going to be going through the Bridge of Hope. And we started out this sermon series in Hebrews chapter 11. I've told you over and over that that's uh, one of my favorite um books of the Bible and chapters of the Bible because it speaks of faith and how that and my favorite verse is verse 6 where that it says but without faith it's impossible to please him how many in this room desires to please God amen. that's your desire amen it should be our desire that we uh, desire to please God so as we're looking today I want us to go um, to the book of Ruth so if you have your Bibles turn to the book of Ruth 
I'm trying to get there myself with one hand, and I'm struggling right now, but that's okay. It's right after Judges. It's back in the Old Testament uh, in your Bible, so if you'll go to the Old Testament and flip through and find the book of Judges, Ruth will be the next one. And I love the story of Ruth uh, in our Bible. It's a story of hope as a whole, and this is what I want to end this sermon series with. But we've looked at in week one, we talked about how that faith is the substance, verse one of Hebrews chapter 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So faith is the substance. And I've said this often before that faith is a substance. I believe the substance is a word that I break down in two sections, sub and stand. So faith is what you stand on and it's, it's the solid rock of Christ that we stand on in our life as a Christian. So as faith is our substance. We are standing upon a rock that cannot be shaken. Because if we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we will not be moved, the Bible says. Amen? So we need to understand that, that Jesus is what sustains us. Amen? That our faith and trust in him and giving him our hope, it's the substance of things hoped for. And we hope for eternal life. And we hope for a good life here. Week two, we talked about how that hope deferred makes the heart sick, as it says in Proverbs. And we know that that is true because um, whenever hope takes too long to get the desire we want, it, it is easy to grow in despair and uh, give up too early. And God doesn't want us to do that. Week three, last week we talked about uh, how the Sadducees, that they have no hope in resurrection and how that... God wants us to uh, go back to his word and understand it because Jesus told them they didn't even know how to read the Bible. And how sad is it for God's children to not even to know the Bible and the truth that it speaks into our lives. So today, as we look at this story of Ruth, I want us to read through Ruth chapter 1. And the title of the message today will be, Keep Hope Alive, Your Future Generations Depend on It. Ruth chapter 1, let's start at verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man in, of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Blemenech, and his name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilon, Ephronites of Bethlehem, Judah and of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Abimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, her and her two sons. Now the two took wives of women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpha, and the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Malon and Chalon also died, so the woman survived her two sons and of her husband. Then she arose with her daughter-in-laws, that she might return to the country, return from the country of Moab, for she had heard the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore she went out from the place where she was. Everybody say, I'm going somewhere. I'm tired of here, Amen. I'm tired of what I'm living in at the moment. I want to go to the destination God has for me. So this lady was here, 
As we read through this story, I know, and I, I want to read more of it here in a minute, but you need to understand that they had left Bethlehem, and we've heard the story of Bethlehem. We know where that place is. It's the house of bread. So during a famine, because there was no bread in the city, they left there to go to this other country to live out their life because really I think this was an example of them not trusting in God but trusting in their own abilities. Amen? So as they're going out and traveling to this foreign country, God even told them in the, in the Levitical law to not go to these other regions and to not take wives to your sons from foreign lands. So they were disobedient to God throughout the first portions of these scriptures. But even in the midst of our disobedience and our lack of trust in God, how many knows God will still provide? How many knows he will still make a way where there seems to be no way? Even when I mess up, even when I don't trust, even when I don't believe, even when I don't allow the hope to remain in me, and I do what I want to do on my own, he will still cause it to work together for the good that those that love him and that are called according to his purpose in Romans. Amen? Amen. So she arose with her daughter-in-laws. Therefore, Verse 7, Therefore she went out from the place where she was, her and her two daughter-in-laws with her, and they went to return to the land of Judah. And Noah, Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go return each to your mother's house. The Lord dealt kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each in the house of your husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. How sad of a situation this is for this mother-in-law to be left in this place feeling alone and still having these two individuals with her, but in the midst of her grief and in the midst of how she feel, felt that God had abandoned her, that she is also pushing away others. God had entrusted these two daughter-in-laws to her, but in the midst of her pain, she was willing to give up on them as well and say, don't. Live the rest of your life with me. Go back to where you came from. How sad of a situation it is whenever we are dealing with issues in our life and it feels like God has abandoned us. How many knows that's not true? But the enemy wants us to believe that, that we feel like, wow, God has abandoned me. Why is all these bad things happening to me? In the midst of those bad things, sometimes we make bad decisions. But I believe today that in a bridge of hope, if we're walking on a bridge of hope and walking by faith and not by sight, we should have hope alive in us even in the midst of bad situations. Even in the midst of storms that we know that God has a plan. And I may not understand it in this moment. I may not totally be able to see the big picture. But if I keep taking one step at a time, I know God's going to cause something good to come from this pain. Naomi didn't allow that to happen. She wanted the daughter-in-laws to leave. Verse 11, But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? 
Verse 12, turn back, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope. And this is where I'm taking this text from today for hope in the Bible. This is the first time that I could find in Scripture that the word hope is mentioned. So if you start at the first of your Bible and take off reading through, this is the first time you're going to read the word hope. So as Naomi says this word, turn back, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say, say I have hope. She was using this word, but she didn't even want to say it. She was living in the mindset that she had no hope, that all had been lost. She had lost her husband. She had lost her two sons. She still had daughter-in-laws with her, but she had no hope. So the rule of Levitical law was in the Old Testament, we talked about this last week, whenever the Sadducees tried to use these verses and the Pharisees to try to trip Jesus up, that if you, in the Old Testament, under uh, Judaism, you would have a sibling, if you would perish, your next brother below you would take your wife as his wife because that's the way God told them to do it. I don't understand that. I can't wrap my mind around that in our culture. I have no under, I, I just don't understand that at all. But that's what God said. So what uh, Naomi is saying here is I have no more sons for you to marry. And that's a problem. And she says, I'm too old. One thing that the future generations that are in the nursery today and that are in the clubhouse today needs from us, the older we get, is for us to not lose hope, but to us increase in hope. Amen? Amen? Never get too old to believe that God is well able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or think in your life. So as I'm saying this, understand that sometimes even scripturally we'll take it and read it like Naomi was and say, there is no hope. I, I can't even say the word hope. It makes no sense to me and I don't understand how God is going to do anything because I'm only looking at the scriptures that I see and understand. So we're going to see as we read on though. Keep hope alive. Your future generations depend upon it. So as Naomi is saying this, in verse 12, if I should say hope, if, that's the question. So in the midst of her turmoil and her trouble, is she going to declare hope? Or is she going to give up on hope? So she's got a decision to make here. She's wondering, should I even say it? How many knows it's hard sometimes to say what you're dreaming because you're afraid that somebody will hold you accountable for it and somebody will hold it and, and say, you remember when you said that? So she's afraid to even tell her daughter-in-law's the word hope, because she's afraid that it might not come to pass, and she's afraid to even say that God might be able to do something. 
because she's operating in fear and not in faith. Everybody say hope. Everybody say, I hope. I hope. We need hope in our life to get through situations. It's a little bit different to say, I hope, than I wish. I think sometimes as Christians we say, well, I wish I had this, or I wish I had that. I wish, I wish, I wish. It's not Christmas. We need to hope for things. Hope is a biblical term that we should use in our life. Naomi is going to understand this later, but it takes her a while to see what God wants to do. She said, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No. My daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. No matter what you're facing today, I don't want you to ever believe as your pastor that God hates you. Naomi had got to the point in her life where she had lost so much that she just gave up hope. And in the midst of giving up hope, it made her believe that God hated her. How many knows God does not hate people? He loves people. Amen? He loves you. He loves me. In the midst of our storms, he is there with us. So she's saying, you won't even wait. If I did have a son today, you wouldn't wait until they were grown in order for them to become your husband. So go ahead and give up now, daughter-in-laws. Go ahead and walk back for God and go ahead and do what you want to do. Verse 14, then they lifted up their voices and they wept again. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. This is a perfect picture that not everybody is going to walk with you through your trouble. Not everybody is going to hang with you through your storms. Not everybody's going to be there to encourage when you're down. But how many knows as Christians we should be the people, amen, that are that have each other's back, like I said earlier. And as a church known as the bridge, I want us to be a people group here as a church that lifts up, that encourages that strengthens, that bolsters faith in those that are amongst us. Because some people in this room are facing some troubles and trials and tribulations in their life, and they need encouragement today. They don't need us to wait two weeks. They don't need us to wait a long time. We need to be encouragers today. And the only way to do that, the Bible says, to know those that labor among you. If we don't even know each other's names in the room, it's going to be hard to have a relationship with each other to even be able to encourage one another. And I hope and pray that we outgrow the capability of everybody in the room knowing everybody in the room. That's what small groups are going to be for. That's what connection groups are for. So that we can learn each other on an individual basis because not everybody needs to know everything about everybody. Amen? So as a church, I long for the day that we're big enough that everybody ain't in everybody else's business. But yet you got some real tight-knit, close friends that you can text and you know whenever you say, right, Rose, I need prayer. That you know without a shadow of a doubt 
that those, maybe it's just 10 people, maybe it's five people, maybe it's four people, that you got a connection and relationship built with people. And I love it that my mom comes down and sits in your driveway and has yard sales. And sometimes she comes home discouraged and says, I sold $4 worth today, but I had a good time sitting there with Rose today. Amen. Sometimes things are more valuable than the dollars we earn. Amen. Relationships are important. And we're never too old, amen, to build relationships. I thank God for that. I thank God for you being a good friend to my mother. And they have things in common. They, they love sharing recipes. My mom has recipes, books, all over the place at the house. Many of you have been up there and seen those. That She collects them. It's her, something she does. It's her passion. She loves it. So God will put you in groups with like-minded people so that you can know each other. And that way, whenever my dad is sick, she can text Rose and say, hey, pray for Manny. And when Ray is sick, Rose can text Bonnie and say, pray for Ray. There's hope in that. There's encouragement in that. And God will bind you together with people that's going to stay with you through the thick and thin. So this is happening that Oprah... She, she kissed her mother-in-law, and she said, okay, I'm going to turn back. And she said, look, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, this is Ruth's words. This is in um, the marriage covenant that I usually do as a pastor, unless somebody tells me they want something different. This is the one that I usually use during marriage vows. Ruth said this to her mother-in-law. Entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Lord, do so to me and more also if anything but death parts you and me. Don't you hope and long for friends like that? It's going to be there, and you trust and know, and you have a hope that they're going to stay with you all the way through it all. That's the case here. Ruth had a decision to make, and she was not bound in law to stay with Naomi. She chose to stay with Naomi, her mother-in-law. And I know the stigma, and, the, and the, sometimes it's hard to get along with a mother-in-law, especially if you've got one like Karen. I mean, it's just... It's awful for me. You, you. Love you, Karen. There you go. I tell all the time that Leslie was chasing me and all that, but really, Karen arranged the marriage and set it all up. Um, yeah, I cooked one time, and she said, man, that's the husband you got to marry, Leslie. They come over to the house. I ain't cooked since, right? That's what Leslie says all the time. I haven't cooked since. Must have been a very good meal, wasn't it? I'm a chicken cooker from way back. Verse 18. And when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. 
So this mother-in-law, even though the daughter-in-law just said, I'm going to stay with you forever, I'm going to go, and I'm going to be buried where you're going to be buried. You're my mother-in-law. I'm hanging with you. I'm staying until the end. I'm making promises if I'm Ruth. And the mother-in-law stopped speaking to her. She's going to give her the silent treatment. If I just try to talk you out of staying with me, if I just encourage you not to go with me, if I just told you and directed you to do something else but stay with me, and then you say you're staying anyway, let's try the silent treatment. That's what she's doing. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. This was a long journey. This was not a short trip. They didn't walk down the street. This is a long journey from one country to another. Can you imagine being Ruth falling behind your mother-in-law that's giving you the silent treatment for days, if not months, and still staying there, even though it seems like, wouldn't there be a voice to start clicking eventually say, man, I don't know, the farther I get through this desert, and the thirstier I get, the hungrier I get, and the more I'm around her and she's not talking to me, it'd be pretty easy to turn back, wouldn't it? It'd be pretty easy to give up. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? We learned that first. So as they're doing this, it would be real easy for Ruth to give up, but she's determined to walk the bridge of hope and never give up. She says, I understand. God has designed it this way. I don't understand why Naomi's going through and facing these things, but I'm going to be with her. I'm going to go with her. So as Ruth is falling behind, I'd like to see that picture. So until... Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem, and it happened that they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? So Naomi got back home to Bethlehem, the city that she had come from, and as she got back home and returned into town, there had become, there had, the famine was over, there was now bread to eat, and they were glad that Naomi was home. Verse 20, but she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess with her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So if you've never read the book of Ruth, I encourage you to go and read the book of Ruth, the story of Ruth. And we don't have time here today to go through all that. But it's amazing to me how that this story is going here that we have this situation going on, and next thing you know, Naomi is changing her name. She is saying, I'm going to rename myself because of my sorrow, because of my pain, because of what I've endured. But the Old Testament is full of situations where God renames individuals. Because Abram, Abraham, right? We know the stories as you read through the Old Testament, you'll see where God renames people, and he gives them a new name because he's got a new purpose and a new lease for them to go and things to accomplish. But here she is renaming herself. How often is it that we as Christians rename ourselves? That we're tired of living what somebody else has called us 
and what somebody else has said about us, and we would just want to do it our way. This is what Naomi is doing. She is doing everything but walking on the bridge of hope. She's even going as far as saying, God hates me. God has given up on me. God has abandoned me. Why are you even talking to me about him? How sad is it that she had faced so much that she had given up on her faith? And I would say that this is far removed for many of us, but I don't know about you, but there's times where that I face things in life that it would be real easy to give up on God and go back and just live ever how I want. As I'm facing a situation or trouble has come upon me or something's happening or, or something's going on, it'd be easy just to turn around and give up. But God didn't intend for us to give up during hard times. Don't change your name according to your situations. Don't change who you are, a new creature in Christ Jesus. If God has bought you with the blood of his son Jesus, do not ever abandon that. Do not ever turn back and say, I don't understand this. I thought being a Christian was going to be easy. I thought I wouldn't have to face anything anymore. I thought this was going to be just walking on the bridge of hope and that it's all going to be hunky-dory. And just what, what is it, uh, walking on the... Uh, hmm? Yeah, yeah, sunshine. And not living in molly grubs. Yes, that's good too. I can't think of what I was going to say, but that's a good. It's not always a ray of sunshine, though. That's the truth, amen? Is there any Christians in the room that could say, I faced a few things, and in my Christianity, it wasn't sunshine. And it, it all wasn't roses, a bed of, ro bed of roses. That's where I was going to. It's not a bed of roses. Life is not that. Amen. And I've seen this as pastoring, that people will come to faith in Jesus. The enemy does not like it. And he's going to come against you with storms, and he's going to come against you with floods. He's going to come against you with everything he can throw at you to disgruntle you and cause you to walk away from your faith. Do not turn back on God. He's worth pursuing. I promise you, eternity in heaven will be worth it all. There's an old song they'd sing, it's going to be worth it after all, child. It will be worth it, I promise you as your pastor today. It will be worth it. Hold on, hang on, don't give up. Don't change your name according to your situations. So she rides back in town, people's happy to see her, but she wasn't happy to see them apparently. But she has this daughter-in-law with her, and everybody's recognized, like, this is Naomi. And you go on to read the story throughout the remainder of the book of Ruth, and you'll see that how that as they begin to say, well, Naomi we know, but we don't know this other one. And why, why are you here? You're, you're, you're not like us. You've got a different heritage than us. You've got a different culture than us. You're not exactly like us. And they're not real welcoming to her. But in that day and age, you'll see that as a commandment, God told people that owned a field to harvest their field but leave the corners. Right, Rick? Leave the corners. And that was basically the food stamp program according to the Bible. Everybody say, God loves food stamps. And so do I. Amen? 
God cares about the poor. And he told the people that owned the ground, harvest all you want, but leave the corners. Because the poor people are going to come out and they're going to glean from those corners. And that's what happened. Ruth was so poor and Naomi was so poor and downtrodden that Ruth would go out and harvest and bring back and bring bread to Naomi. But in the midst of doing that, she met Boaz. So as she was out there gleaning in this harvest field and the corner had been left and her and the poor people were out there and they were gleaning this, this uh, barley and they were taking it back and she was going to make bread out of it. As she was doing that, she was noticed and recognized by the owner of the field. And his name was Boaz. And he took kindly to her. The next thing you know, he wanted to marry her. So as he sees this, and he works this all out, but he knows that he is next of kin, but there's somebody in front of him because in, in, in the genealogy of the Old Testament, you had to go through this process to figure out who was next of kin, who could purchase, and who could take up this individual. So he's seen her, he loved her, he desired her, but there was somebody else in the way. So he goes through the process, and he doesn't break God's law. He doesn't break God's command. He doesn't break the Bible according to what God had written to him. He follows the law. And as he goes through that, he asks the guy that was next in the line, there she is. You can take her to marry her if you want to. The guy doesn't do it. Now the next thing you know, Boaz marries Ruth. Naomi had no idea what God was up to. And the beautiful part of this story is, in the Bridge of Hope, we have no idea the destination as we're traveling across this Bridge of Hope across all of eternity known as time, this portion of time that we're in. Because there's always been eternity in times past. God has always been. Amen? There's going to be an eternity that lasts forever in all of eternity. But we're on this little span known as time. And as we're on this little span called time, I think it's the bridge of hope from eternity to eternity. And her one little portion is this one little inkling of a piece. And she has no idea how much hope she's walking on. But Ruth ends up getting married. They end up having a son. That son ends up having a son. And that son ends up having a son and he becomes king. Then you go down another 42 generations and there's a baby born in their genealogy in the town of Bethlehem in Matthew chapter 1. And his na name is what? Jesus. What if Ruth would have stayed back? What if she would have gave up? What if Naomi's discouragement would have caused this whole picture to mess up. God will work it out for the good, even when we're messing up. Amen? Even though we slip up, even though we're not very encouraging. It's hard to stay around somebody negative. They do say that misery loves company, so maybe two negative people likes being around each other because they can feed off each other. I don't know. I'm not, 
I'm kind of negative somewhat and sometimes and I sometimes I'll do it for fun and I try to pick stuff with people just for the fun of it in my negativity out of joking so if I'm ever rude or mean or inconsiderate and hurt your feelings I'm sorry I don't mean to even if I'm joking but Ruth's attitude here is important she's so positive she is so I, I, I look at this story and it just encourages me to be a believer that's like this, that I'm not going to leave who God's put me with. I'm not going to abandon who God intended for me to be in relationship with. And Ruth sticks with it. And Ruth's attitude of I will not leave you nor forsake you sounds familiar to me. It's what Jesus tells us. That when we come into relationship with him, that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that he will go with us even to the end of the age. The seed of eternal hope was placed through this story in Ruth. Because God promised in Genesis chapter 1, 2, somewhere thereabout, in the original story where that Adam and Eve had fallen and sent, it's Genesis 3 is where it's at. Genesis 3 is the story where that God promised Eve that through her seed would be born a man who would crush the head of the evil, evil one, the enemy. The snake that she hated that had caused her to walk away and do the wrong thing, God promised, through your seed is coming a blessing. So as we see this happening, this happens through Ruth as well, that a, a seed of eternal hope was there, just as it was in Genesis. Generation after generation, Needs hope. How many can look at a a situation that you're maybe finding yourself in today where that you see your kids or grandkids or great-grandkids or maybe great-great-grandkids and the world we're living in it's easy to look around and see the situation that we're in and It'd be real easy in the, in the culture that we're living in right now to give up hope and say that I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense. And I don't know what kind of hope I can have for a future generation, for our teenagers. A loss of hope in the situations that we find ourselves in. Naomi was Jesus' great, 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 great grandma. And she's ready to give up. she didn't understand but God provided a way where there seemed to be no way and I promise you this he'll do the same for you so if you're sitting in this place today and you're saying I don't know pastor I, I, I don't know if I can hope anymore I encourage you don't give up hope 
whatever you're believing God for, if he's given you a vision or a dream or if he's given hope in your heart in times past and you haven't seen it come to pass, don't give up. Because I promise you, hope can save you. And I know I've told this story a hundred times, but I'll tell it until I breathe my last breath. That Everybody here hasn't heard it, so if you've heard it before, just bear with me for a minute. When I was 17 years old, I went to Aunt Mary's house. Aunt Mary's sitting here in pink. Wave your hand, Aunt Mary. To clean out her cistern. I just graduated high school two weeks before that. I go down to clean the cistern. I had a gas pump in there, and I was pumping the water out. And it had plugged off. There was leaves. It was about, I don't know, maybe 12, 15 inches of water in the bottom of it, full of leaves. There was actually a dead rat floating around in it. You know what a rat looks like when it's in stagnated water, big white, foamy-looking. So I'd put blocks down in there, and I was... I was standing on blocks and I had the pump sitting on the blocks and, and I had an 8 foot ladder and a 12 foot hole and the only thing I was really smart enough to do because dad told me before I went there to be very careful because don't put that pump too close to the hole but I was so smart and did it my way that I put it down in the hole because it wasn't pumped but I did leave the rope tied to it and I went down in once and got it pumping and got everything going I went back down in again because it stopped pumping and there was a screen over the end of the hose that was picking up the water and it would fill up these leaves and I would scratch these leaves off of it second time I go back down in again same thing happens again it clogs up and I tried to scoot stuff back to make sure it was in good clean water a few minutes later same thing again it had clogged up with leaves and I went down in the second time, and when I cleaned it off that time, I come back out and I told Aunt Mary, I said, I'm, I'm getting dizzy. I don't feel right. Ah, you're all right. She, she's got hope. <laughs> I didn't have much. So we sat out there for a pretty good while that while, and we actually had chairs sitting up at the end of the water hose that was coming out of it, and it was pumping water, and we was watching it, and eventually it stopped again. And, and that time, I, it was, this hole was down in the ground, and it's, it's a 12 foot deep, a great big pit down in there, concrete, and it's got a hole about this big. And So I have to let myself down in on that eight foot ladder and hold myself up until I get my feet on the ladder and then I walk on down in there. And as I get down in there and I'm standing on that block and I look over and I grab the hose and I start cleaning off the leaves. Now I can still imagine this, I got, this is ingrained in my memory. I can see this literally. And I'm picking those leaves off this piece of screen on the end of this hose and I, I felt very very dizzy and I remember looking up like this at that hole and the last words out of my mouth was this I hope I can get out of here and that's the last thing I remember I hope I can get out of here and when I passed out, I knocked the ladder over and I fell in the water, unconscious. So Aunt Mary's sitting over there waiting for the hose to start getting water to come through it again and sits there for a pretty good while. 
eventually no water comes and I never come out of the hole and she's like something's going on so she comes over there and looks down in the cistern and there I am in the water she didn't operate in fear she operated in faith she was a Christian I was not and as she was there, she looked down in the hole and she took off in and went in and tried to get mom, called mom on the phone. This was before 911. You couldn't call 911. This was old, old days, back, way back in the 1900s. So she calls mom and tells mom, Ben's down. Takes off running back out the door, but she got halfway out, remembered that her phone didn't hang up, that she actually had to push in on it to cause it to hang up because in the olden days when you didn't hang up your phone it stayed online so mom wouldn't have been able to do anything about it so she went right back in pushed the phone in then mom was allowed at that point to call for help so Mary comes back out and she says I, the story way I hear her tell it I wasn't there I was in the cistern out so she took the hose and tried to pick me up out of it right trying to get me out of the water and eventually I slid off of the hose and landed in the water and she couldn't use the hose to pick me up anymore and she had a decision to make at that point do I stand here and wait for help or do I just jump in because she don't have another ladder and she jumps 12 foot in a hole to save me pulled the pump out first because I had the rope on it yeah if she wouldn't have done that, she would have died too. We'd both not be here today. So she jumps in and she pulls me up out of the water and then she's trying to do CPR. She'd never been trained in CPR and she's trying to breathe in my mouth. And then God says, hold his nose. She breathes into my mouth and I start coughing out the junk. And I'm talking leaves, debris, junk. Then she leans up against the wall because she's getting dizzy because the gas fumes stay in the cistern. She leans up against the wall and she puts me on her lap and she waits. She prays, God, let me stay awake until I see the help come. Then the second that somebody's face looks over the hole. It's the fire department, the ambulance people. She passes out too. And they come in to try to rescue us with a ladder and they almost, uh, there's no oxygen in there. So they had to come back out and they had to get air movers to move the uh, gas out of the cistern just in order to be able to come in to rescue us. So as this is happening, my dad comes driving fast down the road and he wants to get there to help. And as he's coming up the hill, they're taking Mary off the hill. He eventually gets there. And my mom is a Christian. My Aunt Mary's a Christian. And my sister had just started attending church and my sister had become a Christian at that point. And 
Mom knows a verse that she'll tell you all the time. And if you're around her at all, she will quote this to you often. Matthew 18, 19. It says, if any two or three agree is touching any situation. So she believes that's the Bible. And she tells my sisters they're driving up the road following my ambulance and turns around and grabs my sister's hand and she says pray with me Netta let's agree that Ben will be okay when we get to the hospital she prayed even more specific than that she said I want him to be sitting up when we walk in and the second that she come walking and running into the hospital and I can imagine mom as frantic as she is running in to see where I'm at and she runs in and she the minute she turns the curve coming into my room they were setting my bed up and I was puking debris she says the doctor looked at her and said your son was dead but he's alive one thing I know for certain is I was lost and I was undone without God. I never trusted him with my life. And if I'd have died in that cistern that day, I would be burning in hell right now. I, I assure you that. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. I know that's true. Prayer changes things. And I can tell you, whenever I say that, I talk about this story all the time, and you may get sick of hearing it, but I'm still going to talk about it anyway. I was dead, but yet I'm alive. And the last words I remember before I would have died at that point was, I hope I can get out of here. Would you stand with me if you will? I don't know what situation you're finding yourself in standing in here today. But my prayer for you today is for you to have hope. Of a life with Christ, the remainder of your years here on earth. And also a hope of eternity forever with him in heaven. Do you have eternal hope? If you don't, today would be a good day for you to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, for you to put your faith and trust in Him. We'll pray a prayer in a minute. If you desire to do that, today would be a good day. If you've already been a Christian before and you've been walking with Christ and whether it's been a week or whether it's been 40 years, Jesus told his disciples that the enemy was out to kill, steal, and destroy. The devil doesn't like you succeeding. 
that verse doesn't end there. It's John 10, 10. Jesus says, but I had come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to take you out. But God wants you to have life. When the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy, if you're paying attention to him, you're going to give up. And I encourage you in this place as Christians today, do not give up on the promises of God. Keep walking on the bridge of hope. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. It'll be worth it after all. If you would bow your head, close your eyes. Everybody pray this prayer with me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you to forgive me for my sins, for my faults, for my failures. Help me to have hope of eternal things. Throughout eternity with you, so that I could be in heaven. And it would be my home. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, amen. We want you to love God, love people, be a blessing to somebody this week. Give encouraging words of hope to people that may not have any. If you've got friends or family that you know that's not trusting in God, go and be dismissed. You're loved. We'll see you not next week if you don't come to the service over at uh, Carter Caves. Make sure and come the following week back over here. So love God, love people. You're dismissed.